This episode of Energy Sense is brought to you by IHS Markets Financial and Capital Markets Energy Advisory Group. Our team of experts provides the investment community with actionable insight and integrated thought leadership that identify the trends and trend makers of global energy markets. Solutions cover the full energy and natural resources sector, from traditional fossil fuels to emerging clean tech ideas and supply chains, and are available via recurring reports, webinars, robust data sets, and personal engagements with experts. All right, welcome back to Energy Sense, an S&P Global podcast covering all topics on the intersection of energy and finance. This is your host, Hill Vaden, and I'm here today with two climate and future energy experts, uh, Peter Gardet and Roman Komarczyk. Uh, Peter, Roman, how are both of you? Good. Doing great. Good. And we are here to talk about Climate Week which is coming up in New York here in about a week and a half, um, that this is a climate-focused conference, uh, I think, in its 14th year. Um, and it is in a, uh, I guess, a long and growing list of climate-organized uh, events or, or events organized around climate. Um, and both of you all um, are going to be attending. Are you, are you going to be there all week or, or just for a certain portion of the event? Yeah, I mean, it sort of speaks to the nature of the event and that it's not an event as much as it okay. is kind of an event collective, if you like. Uh, there is a sort of central track of activities that's run by one of the main organizers, but almost anyone can put an event on the list. I think there are over 500 of them this year, which speaks to the insane scale of how big it's gotten. And yeah, I'll be in and out. I'm speaking at a few things. We're hosting some uh, events on the S&P side. So mm -hmm. looking forward to that. Roman, I, have you been? You've been before, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm uh, I'm based in New York. So th this is when I look at my calendar, this is the time that I know that, first of all, there are going to be motorcades clogging up all the streets be <laughs> be because of uh, the UN General Assembly and all of the dignitaries. And, and you know, to Peter's point, that, that was one of the seeds that why have this event now? Uh, well, it's because there are going to be lots of leaders, uh, both on the government side and, of course, on the financial side, that are going to be in town. So it's just natural to take advantage of that ecosystem to then create a lot of, to create this, this system of, of core climate events and then all of the other organizations that that actually uh, create events around that core. So it, it's it is more of an organic ecosystem, um, and I've been I've been going for for quite a while. Uh, and when you go, it's a, like Peter said, you, you step into to one event and you go to a different event, and it's it's uh, it's kind of a river that keeps flowing, and you decide when you want to jump in and when when you jump out. But there's certainly a lot of content and a lot of key people in town, which makes it particularly interesting. And then there's a hub system to it, right? There's a bunch of different things going on uh, across. It. Is it is it a limited campus, or, or is it across different parts of Midtown? Yeah, no, it's all over the place. I mean, you okay. can go from anything from you know walking, watching Prince William speak at the Plaza to a picnic in Prospect Park with a bunch of environmental activists. Like, there's no, there's more or less everything that can go on there. I mean, clearly, from from my perspective. One of the things that's exciting about this year is that there are more finance-oriented events, just because mm -hmm. of everything that's happened in the past couple of years that we've been, you know, first fully remote and then partially remote last year. This is the first year they're back in person post-pandemic or whatever stage of the pandemic we're in. And, uh, and so that's very exciting. There's a number of different, very 
uh, industry and, and finance focused events that I'll be going to. And so, so we, before we get into a little bit more about the event itself, what what specifically are y'all going to be um, working on or contributing to the event? You've got a fairly organized set session or two that, that you'll be leading. I mean, I, I think there's there's two parts of it. I mean, Peter and I are both part of Commodity Insights, but we're also now part of a much bigger S and P Global, where uh, we have our Sustainability One partners that are that are going to be talking about elements such as biodiversity. There's going to be other partners of ours that are going to be talking about physical physical climate risk, uh, climate finance, uh, green green bonds, a lot of um, mm -hmm. a lot of ESG evaluations. These are all the things that are kind of S&P Global wide, and we're going to be part of a um, of, of a broader S&P Global session that's going to kind of explore a lot of these different facets. At the same time, you know, being Commodity Insights, where we are focused on a lot of what's happening in the energy markets and be that views on markets that are, that are emerging and developing, like uh, a big focus on the carbon markets, as well as all of the finance that that, that has to go in to, to make these to make these changes happen. So specifically, we're, you know, one of the events we're hosting is a, is a round table around uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. So, uh -huh. Which I assume will be a topic uh, across and, the event. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Peter go into some of the detail. We've kind of worked out the agenda for that. I mean, and to be honest, that, that can be a segue into a broader conversation because this is the first New York Climate Week where there is a serious commitment that's been cemented in legislation around what the U.S. is going to do. I, one, one of the perhaps constants of the climate weeks was always coming out of it and saying, well, we're going to wait and see what the U U.S. Mm -hmm. does on the legislative and federal front. And we have actually gotten to the point where this is the first climate week where um, we can talk about, OK, things have been put in place. What's going to happen now? I mean, I think one of the themes, I, and I don't know if they chose this uh, with this in mind, but I think the the theme is getting it done for for climate yeah. week. So it's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting coincidence, if you will. Yeah, I mean, shifting over from that kind of uh, the very UN focused sort of global climate policy piece to something that is more uh, focused on actual deployment, on the what the industry can do, on what we can actually make happen, it is feels like this is a, a real tipping point. You know, we have half a billion, half a trillion dollars in federal supportive policy mm -hmm. that's been put in place. And that builds on everything that's been done around the world. And in the U.S. case in particular, a lot of that uh, support is being kind of channeled through financial channels. So it will really have to be banks, investors, asset managers who are going to have to make the decisions that then qualify for federal support. So it's not the kind of thing where the federal government is necessarily stepping in and, and you know directly supporting things as much as they are sort of underpinning or de-risking uh, investments on behalf of uh, investors who would naturally be in New York anyway. So it's this mm -hmm. interesting uh, moment where the, the federal policies out there, a lot of people are still sort of stuck in figuring out how that's actually going to work. And this is a moment where a, a lot of those questions can get answered because the experts in how this works will be around. And so I'm just, I think it's going to be a really, really exciting week for that reason. You'll finally get uh, a point where people are talking about actual deals, actual money going into actual projects. And it will be less of this. I mean, like Roman says, I used to come away from a lot of these and you would have 
uh, all the European politicians essentially chastising the United States about how it just wouldn't get its uh, climate act together. And so I feel like it should be a very different tone this time. And is that, does this seem, you, you guys are both, you know, the, the, the getting it done idea more, it sounds more actionable than, than a lot of the other conferences that we talk about. How, is that an appropriate way to view this as what makes Climate Week distinct from, say, uh, COP26 or 27, I guess is what's coming up? How, how should we look at it relative to other international climate dialogues? Is this one more actionable? I, I think this is different, and I think we we do want to distinguish this between New York Climate Week and, and COP. I mean, COP, as you mentioned, 27, uh, Conference of Parties, UNFCCC, it's, it's an annual event that's designed for stakeholders to negotiate and, and, and reach conclusions in terms of either the rules, the ambition, the finance. Um, so there, there actually is a mandate there. Um, here, this is as as I think you know Peter mentioned earlier. This is more about an ecosystem. This is more about taking advantage of who's who's here. So, to that end, you know, there's not it, the organizers' uh, climate group are not mandated to get to any conclusion other than bring people together and and allow them to to kind of network and and mm -hmm. and decide and make things happen. And there there was that frustration for a while that in some ways there was a lot of perhaps preaching and, and a lot of kind of ambition. And, you know, as we like to say, you know, when we look at policy, is it is it is it going to be implemented or is it aspirational? And so many of the previous climate weeks have, I'll say, have been aspirational. It's and with announcements, there have been and I don't want to take away from one of the things of, of climate week being a platform is that companies, organizations, uh, stakeholders have used it to make major announcements and okay. be that be, be that be that announcements about plans for um, for going to net net zero announcements for for special uh, controls and targets around methane. It's one of these platforms where if if a company or an organization wants to make a high profile announcement about something that they are really meaningfully doing, this is a this is a time to do so. And S and P Global is no different. I think last year we announced our our uh, our engagement with GFANS. And you know we're gonna. We're, we're, I think uh, that's something that's ongoing now. So, but uh, there isn't that mandate, that otherwise mandate that we need to reach. Let's say, we have to finish the rule book on Article Six. I mean, that's that's not part of Climate Week. Okay. So, so Peter, it, it sounds like a, a a I suppose more organic and high profile way both to network and to, to. I hate to say it again, but to get things done. Yeah, I think that. So as with so many of these events, I think the side conversations are really the sort of most crucial part for a lot of the market participants. So people that are really trying to get stuff done are going to be, you know, at events and on panels and so on. But a lot of the the progress that we'll see that is separate from the formal announcements will come in the forms of people who would otherwise not be able to get together, getting together in this context. So I would fully expect to see a number of deals around, I mean, just speaking to what I do on the financial and capital market side, you'll probably see quite a bit of deployment that comes out of this because it's an opportunity for project developers, you know, major corporates and so on to interact with the financial community in the context of a climate setting, one that is taking place under a kind of the 
cloud over what ESG and what that mm -hmm. means. I think it's a, a really interesting moment for that for all those reasons. So I would expect the amount of attention to it to be paid to it to be higher this year than in the past. I mean, certainly, I think the very fact that Roman and I are hosting an event as opposed to just attending things speaks to right. how, you know, there's more more happening this time than in the past. And that's for good reason. And what's the what's your sense of you? You mentioned I think that the, the clouds around ESG and the other clouds, of course, Europe and energy security and and the the, the climate agenda, uh, so to speak. You've got I mean, there's an article in the uh, Wall Street Journal yesterday about carbon credits and some, I'll say, you know, perhaps some dubious use of some of that from certain companies buying these carbon credits. And there's all these headlines about ESG not being all that uh, it aspires to be. Um, and then you've got Europe where energy security is trumping clean energy uh, or clumping environment because of the, the what was going on with, with gas and oil coming out of Russia. And that's not at the expense of clean energy. Nothing has changed. And perhaps the, the commitment to clean energy has accelerated, but but the conversation is more complicated and, and the priorities are, are juggling. How is that influencing the agenda or, or even kind of the mindset of the, the agenda of the conference and the mindset of people like the, the two of you? I mean, that's uh, that is one one of the one of the key kind of I won't say dilemmas, but what one of the key constructs that we we've been working through pretty much you know all year and even before the, even before that, it's that it's the juxtaposition of of energy security versus energy transition. You know, we we are in a year where we're seeing more coal burn in places like Europe. We're seeing mm -hmm. more coal burn in places like Japan and India. Um, you know, we 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 do our regular analysis of what's going on in the markets, and and certainly this is COVID gave us a, you know gave us a lot of problems across the board. I mean, if there was any sort of slight silver lining, it was the fact that we had record CO2 reductions, and we were potentially on a path towards uh, towards two degrees and below. But obviously, what we've seen is with the with the recovery, even with the sort of more halting recovery, with with uh, with lockdowns in China still, and with with some uncertainty around GDP, we're still seeing a rather a rather carbon intensive recovery, which is bringing us back and uh, you know to where we were almost. So that's the background at which this climate week is going to be be taken. Now, I'll say like part of the thinking around this climate week is is also some of the thinking that Europe is going through right now. They have to make it through this winter and to, from an energy perspective. And in order to do so, the question is, is there going to be a need for some incremental investment on fossil? You know, they want to do it in a way that doesn't lock in emissions. And I think mm -hmm. that's that's going to be one of the key themes that's going to play out. It's the fact that, um, yes, there's a recognition that from a policy and from a from societal perspective, energy security and, pr and provision of energy is critical. But there are ways, different ways of ensuring that. And if if there are ways to look beyond the near-term stresses and create a path towards something that doesn't lock in long-term emissions and allows the continued growth of the clean energy technologies, then that's something that I think is going to be a lot on the agenda this year. You know, from my perspective, I really, I really welcome these controversies as someone who for a long time has felt uh, like it's easy to characterize the work I do in climate and clean tech as sort of a green dream. And, uh, you know, previous climate weeks have featured a lot of uh, very aggressive agreement among people. 
I actually think the the real world is quite complicated, mm -hmm. and this is a sign on some level of how the climate debate and everything we need to do around both that and the energy transition it has be has matured a great deal. And so, yeah, there are going to be some pretty big fights, and I imagine that you will see. Uh, lots of headlines about ESG claims and that that will be part of what we're looking at here. Some of the investors that I'll be speaking with are have really pushed back on some of the uh, U.S. local objections to ESG, including where you said, Hill, in Texas. And I think that's that's fine, too, because there's it speaks to the fact that there's real money at stake and, and real outcomes. I mean, if you look at where the U.K. is today, looking at spending over 150 billion pounds on uh, bailing out energy companies that are facing these problems in part because they're so exposed to fossil fuels. You know, that's a, a, a real debate and a real question that goes to the heart of a lot of things that aren't just about, you know, doing good for the climate or, or a sort of moral decision. And that's that's really where I'd like to be. I think that I think a lot of people go to Climate Week would also like to be there, where this is core to business decision making and financial mm -hmm. decision making, and not just as a, just in inverted quotes a, a political issue. And is energy and finance? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Roman. Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to touch upon the the carbon markets part of that because I think it's 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 been so much in the. In the, it's been much in the news, but I think it's also, you know, it's carbon markets are being put forth because they are a potential efficient solution, a, a potential efficient tool towards achieving reductions. Now, it's there are many ways of driving that investment. Carbon markets are one of them. So, you know, in some ways, part of what we try to do at Commodities Insights is, a, is provide that transparency around these markets to make them to, to make it clear to people what, first of all, the pricing is, and there are other initiatives going around to ensure the quality of both the supply side of the markets and then how people use them. So there's there's efforts. I mean, in some ways, any nascent market's going to have startup problems. You know, it's as the market matures, as it develops, and as people discuss it, as people, you know, honestly, you know, challenge some of the assumptions behind it. I mean, that's healthy. That that, that that's what's going to lead these markets to become mature. And and potentially rise up to the level of solution that they could provide. I, th I think there are hurdles to be overcome for to for people to and entities to feel that that security. But certainly transparency around the markets, transparency around the quality, transparency around the pricing, are all things that you know we've been looking out for. And that's 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 an element that I've over the years I've also been regularly attending that the the sort of carbon environment environmental market part of. Climate Week, because it's it is seen as you know finance can come about in different ways. You can trade tax equity, you can trade carbon. I mean, both are both are mechanisms by which you can drive investment into into the change that people want to see. And and is it we're all focused on energy and finance, the three of us on on this call. I mean, climate is a much bigger uh, agenda than that. Though, should should we look at this um, as or sorry, is the, the energy and the finance side of it really dictating things that come around? I mean, the, the agenda, I can't remember everything that was on it that I was looking at on the Climate Week website, but it's not an energy conference. No, it isn't. But at the same time, I think there's a deep recognition that until you address the issues around energy transition mm -hmm. and all of the, the ways that money can 
influence markets, that influence people's decision making. Until you make real progress there, every other aspect of the climate crisis is unaddressable. You know, it's one of those things where that's the table stakes. You can't even get to a point where you're talking about, quote unquote, saving the planet until you've stopped emitting as much uh, carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the air. And how do you do that? You know, the main source of that is in energy. And we are now equipped, I think, in a way that we weren't when this conference you know, event series began 14 years ago. We have a solution set. It's really, in a way, much less complicated, I think, than a lot of people had originally anticipated. Renewable energy exists at very low levels. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of steps from here to the, a market where that predominates. But that's a climate-friendly market. And so there will be climate is clearly one of these things that uh, you know we're literally trying to change the ecosystem of the planet we live on, and that's almost too large to address. But the energy transition, very clearly, set of tools, set of goals, the money to do it, you know the the political will to do it is clearly there. And I think that's that's the good first step that we get to a point where we can control the the temperature change insofar as humans are are capable of controlling it. Okay. And I mean, I think the interesting and once again, the interesting thing about Climate Week is that it does have that that dual side to it. You have this confluence of the financial community that can that, that can drive that change, but you also have the UN General Assembly. And you know, what if we look back at 2021, and basically, uh, Joe Biden had pledged to double the federal government's financial support to low low income countries to tackle climate change. That you know that ultimately didn't make it through Congress, but you know that that was the platform at which he was driving forward that piece of it. So, and and if you think about some of the other theme, you know the other themes that we've seen at COP, the idea of just transition and and the um, you know all the, the those pieces of it. The interesting thing about um, when once again when you come back to looking at the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. is that it you know it, it, is that just an energy transition? It, it it's more than that. It's it's really and it's an industrial policy instrument. It's it's something that that tries to address supply chains. That tries to address wages. That tries that tries to address. Uh, Income issues and income inequality issues. So you know, but the core the core of it is 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 putting the money into effective use, and and that that's what's going to be at the core of the sort of the intersection of of the financial and climate communities at Climate Week. Okay, so I mean, lo looking ahead, and I know it's impossible to predict exactly what announcements are going to be made or exactly which headliners are going to to make them. But but what are the some of the things that that you guys are watching for to come out of the event, and you know, as specific ideas as we can get it, and how does that, if at all, set us up? So, so COP twenty seven is what a month and a half, two away, on the back end of this in Egypt. Um, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with Conway and Anna, um, kind of profiling that. How does this set up COP27, if at all? Yeah, so uh, in speaking to some of the people that I know are going to be at this event and, and are planning on announcing things, I think there is going to be this focus on data and what data yes. everyone is using and relying on. Because there has been, you know, as this... Uh, market opportunity, if you like, for addressing climate change and deploying clean tech has gone ahead. There's been this proliferation of approaches to data, whether it's the scope one, two, and three 
uh, tracking of your carbon emissions or greenium on different kind of fixed income instruments. There's been this just flowering of different data efforts, and it's clear that there needs to be some kind of winnowing of those, or at least a consolidation of them, so that we get to a point where there's a limited set of reliable data tools that we're we're leaning into. And I don't think it's a you don't want the perfect to be the enemy of the good here. You mm -hmm. know, we could continue to to tinker around with data for decades and have nothing ever happen. But we're getting to a point where for these markets to mature, people are going to have to coalesce around different benchmarks and different data concepts. I think TCFD is a clear one, and I think you might see some announcements around sort of commitments to TCFD. Uh, that's the task force for carbon financial disclosure, I think. Um, I'm related, yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> can, can acronyms, the acronyms, they're, they're the bane yeah. of our existence, yeah. yeah. It's definitely TCFD, <laughs> I know that much. Um, and yeah, so the UK has already committed to that, to cite them again. Singapore has, I think you'll see a number of uh, financial and, and private ent uh, institutions commit to that if they haven't already. Okay, Roman, uh, any, any thoughts uh, on your expectations for, for the, the event itself and or aftermath? I, I mean, I, I think one of the big, you know, there, there's a few uh, a few things that I'll be looking out for looking ahead to COP as well. Um, you know, one of them is the extent to which New York Climate Week will will manage to bring in the Western world um, into the conversations. I sometimes ESG, not sometimes ESG can feel like a very initially a very European uh, issue with you know, some in, with interest in the U.S. and and Japan and a few other places, but you know, is is that uh, is that going to be reflected in the developing world? How much? How many of the leaders that are coming in to the U.N. General Assembly from other nations will actually become or or it will will bring people that will be involved in Climate Week? I think uh, there there are challenges now because the world does feel much more polarized, and that that's one of the one of the things that I kind of be looking out for is just the, the degree to which we see developing world and Asia, Latin America participating mm -hmm. in, in the event. I think the other the other one is really this is one of the elements of that the way that the Inflation Reduction Act was played out and the fact that it is more of an industrial policy program where investment is being driven through essentially the government balance sheet and and tax tax uh, mechanisms. I, I'm wondering if that's going to start a, a question of, you know, historically people have always talked about carbon markets as driving the investment, essentially having those sort of incentives driving. The U.S. kind of by necessity, I think, uh, by necessity, if, if it wanted to, if they want something needed to be passed and wanted to avoid the filibuster, it needed to be done in a way that was, you know, strictly a budget issue, which which necessitated the approach they took. But it also kind of sets up a, you know, a potentially different sort of venue for financing than would have been done had the sort of 2009 Waxman-Markey bill passed, when everything would have been done on, on the basis of, of carbon. And uh, that's, you know, that's another issue when you think about what was seen as one of the accomplishments of COP last year was finalizing Article Six. But then it'd be interesting to see how Article Six works with the sort of tax breaks in industrial policy that the U.S. is following and, and even some of the alternative approaches that we're seeing in Europe and China. 
I will say, I mean, hearing you talk about Article 6, Roman, it does, I think that that coming out of the UN Assembly as well, any sign we have that there will be some progress on the actual structure of an Article 6 carbon markets as we go to COP27 in, in a few weeks, a few months, will be crucial. Because one of my big surprises from the past last uh, year has been this continued interest among financial investors in particular in carbon markets and carbon mm -hmm. offsets and everything around them. And we've seen some really big investments in this area, even despite all of the kind of technical headwinds of setting up and running such a market, which speaks to that some people are putting some real money behind that happening. And if there's any sign at New York Climate Week and the UNGA that that's going to be something that picks up going into COP27, I think that could be big news for these markets. Okay. Well, I uh, I hope we can maybe continue this conversation perhaps after the event or after COP27 as well and see, see you know, review some of the, the outcomes or decisions that were made. So, so Roman, Peter, thank you both for uh, joining me. And uh, I'll remind listeners that our email address is energysense at ihsmarket.com. So if you've got any follow-up questions for Peter or Roman or want to learn more about their activities, please, please reach out. And and for anyone, anyone who's going to be in New York for Climate Week, do also feel free to reach out because it you know that that's what makes a, the, the Climate Week such a unique uh, event. It's it's that interactions. So certainly welcome to 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 continuing the conversations in person. All right. Well, thank you both. Thank you. To read additional insights from our team of experts, visit our blog at www.ihsmarket.com/energyblog. You can also find our experts on social media by searching for IHS Market Energy on either Twitter or LinkedIn. Have a topic idea or want to send us feedback? Email our podcast team at energysense at ihsmarket.com. This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy solutions, visit ihsmarket.com energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.